MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 17th, 2021. Today, President Biden addresses the world about the situation on the ground in Afghanistan. The Dallas school superintendent is bucking the Texas Supreme Court decision on masks. Biden appoints the first black trans woman to the presidential HIV council. And Biden's historic food stamp benefit is about to start. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Hello. Hello, my friend. How was your day? It went by blindingly fast. <laughs> I was up early. It's already the evening. I'm I don't know what happened. I was I didn't like do nothing all day. I did a bunch of stuff. Maybe that's it. It went by because I was just had my mind on a bunch of things. It is strange this year. I mean, considering March lasted, you know, 15 months last time, this year's flying by. I can't believe it's the middle of August already. Yeah, absolutely. It's going super fast and there's a lot to discuss. A little bit later in the show, I had the pleasure this morning of talking for almost a half an hour with Rachel Vindman about the media coverage of what's going on in Afghanistan. There's been some issues that we have <laughs> regarding that. And we're going to cover it like normal people here on The Beans. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So Biden addressed the world. You know, I'd say the country, but he addressed the world today. The world is watching Absolutely. what's going on in Afghanistan. You know, I put out a tweet earlier saying what he needs to do is accept responsibility. Don't point the finger. You know, tell us what he's doing to fix it. And then tell us that we're going to look at what went wrong so we make sure it doesn't happen again. He did most of that. <laughs> he didn't do all of it. First of all, he opened by saying that he's monitoring the situation. We, you know, the administration is monitoring the situation and moving quickly to execute plans to respond to the rapid collapse, what he admitted was a rapid collapse. He reminded us our occupation of Afghanistan was never about nation building or creating democracy. And we were there to get the people who got us on 9-11. And when we got bin Laden, we should have gotten out. Uh, but we didn't. He then, he said he was going to talk more about what he's he's doing on the ground to salvage this rapidly developing situation. But he said he'd get to that later. But in the meantime, he uh, actually addressed Trump's failures. I didn't think he was going to do this. I thought he was just, you know, not going to focus on what, you know, 20 years, the last 20 years has led to this. Right. I thought he was just going to address what's going on now, but he did. He said he, there was the Doha agreement. And since May 1st, we've been in peril as the Taliban advanced because there was no ceasefire agreement put in place by Trump beyond May 1st. And Trump left only 2,500 troops there. He withdrew a bunch of troops or he attempted to withdraw a bunch of troops after he lost the election, which couldn't possibly fend off any kind of advance by the Taliban. And they were already advancing. He said, I stand squarely behind my decision. There was never a good time to get out. We planned for every contingency, but I promised I'd always be straight with you. And the truth is this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So he said that they planned for every contingency, which I have more questions about. But he did say that this this went faster than we thought it would. And that and that was clear. You know, that's evident. Absolutely. Yes. Now, Afghan fighters and leaders gave up and fled. He said our troops cannot and should not be fighting and dying in a civil war that Afghan officials are not willing to fight themselves. And then he also 
brought up the fact that when he spoke to Ghani during his visit to the White House and in a subsequent phone call in July, he assured Biden that they would fight, that the Afghans would fight. And, and when Biden suggested diplomacy, maybe some sanctions or offering a settlement to the Taliban, Ghani flatly refused. And Biden actually told us that today. I didn't think we would get that kind of information. He acknowledged the pain felt by the Afghans, American veterans, soldiers who had served, troops who had fought there. But he said, I do not regret my decision. I cannot and will not ask our troops to fight endlessly, uh, given the loss of life, more suffering, life shattering injuries, leaving families broken from loss. It's not in our national security interest and it's not what our troops deserve. So he stands firmly behind his decision. He says, though, I am the United States president and the buck stops with me. He, so, you know, the media is like, he better say the buck stops with him. And he did. And now the media is like, well, he said the buck stops with him, but did he mean it? Is that enough? I mean, it's just it's, it's kind of ridiculous what's going on in the media. Constantly moving the goalposts. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is sending 7000 troops to police the withdrawal and warn the Taliban if they fire on us or disrupt the withdrawal. The reaction would be swift, forceful and devastating. He said also, I know my decision will be criticized, but I'd rather take all that criticism than pass this decision on to yet another president because it's the right decision. He also addressed why he didn't withdraw sooner. A lot of mainstream media is saying he didn't he didn't say why he didn't pull out earlier. He did. He said that many Afghans didn't want to because they said they had faith in their government to fight for them. It was the Afghan president that pulled out. And that Afghan officials told him not to don't do it soon because it would cause a crisis of confidence in the Afghan government. So he, he listened to the Afghan government when, when that happened. Now, Biden is on his way back to Camp David. So the question still remains, why did Biden think the Taliban wouldn't take over so quickly? He said that they did, but he didn't say why. Other than to say the Afghan government gave up and fled. We'll have to keep pushing for those answers. But this was an incredible speech and he stood by his decision. And I also stand by his decision. We have to figure out why if things went south and, and there are problems and there will be criticisms as there should be. But the decision was the right one to make and doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Absolutely. AG, thanks for kicking us off with that top story. Um, we're moving to Texas during a virtual news conference Sunday evening. Dallas Independent School District Superintendent Michael Hinojosa. Is that how Michael's? I think that's how he says his last name. So the district will continue to require masks. Now, this is a quote. We have to protect the health and safety of our students. And until there's an official order of the court that applies the Dallas Independent School District, we will continue to have mask mandate. And he said that to reporters on Sunday evening through a Zoom call. He held a news conference to address the Texas Supreme Court's order, which came down Sunday evening. Now, it sided with Governor Abbott and temporarily blocked Dallas County's mass mandate put in place by the Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins. The order also applies to Bear County. I learned how to say that correctly. Bear County, as in bear, like rawr. Okay, so Inhosa said after consulting with lawyers, they don't believe the order applies to DISD because the district is not specifically listed. He said it's, it listed Clay Jenkins in Dallas County did not say one word about Dallas ISD. That's what he explained. He said the district is currently not involved in any litigation, and until they're told by the court they can't enforce a mandate, they will move forward with masks. So I love that they're bucking Abbott. They're telling the Supreme Court, listen, you weren't specific to us. So they're going to try everything they can to protect the students and teachers in their school district, which is what everyone should be doing. Yeah, and I hope all the school districts follow suit, saying, hey, you said Dallas County. You didn't say school district. 
Totally. And, you know, wait to see what happens from there. Another thing in the news today, food stamp benefits will jump 27 percent above pre-pandemic levels on average starting in October. That's a couple months from now. That's the largest increase in the program's history. The boost, which advocates say is long overdue, stems from an update to the Thrifty Food Plan, which determines the benefit amounts of Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, the SNAP program. That's the formal name for food stamps. The plan estimates the cost of groceries needed to provide a budget-conscious diet for a family of four. Needed to be upgraded, right? Republican lawmakers, however, are already questioning the revision and its increased cost because they don't want people to eat food. (laughs) The update (laughs) comes as a part of a USDA review, which we've talked about. They were going to review the food stamp program required under the 2018 Farm Bill, the review was. But then Republican-led Congress ordered the agency to reevaluate the plan by fiscal 2022 and, and every five years thereafter. It was last adjusted in 2006. I guess they thought they were going to win the election. I guess so. Now, under the revision, which is permanent, permanent beneficiaries will see a $36 hike in average monthly benefits. They received $121 per person before the coronavirus pandemic, including the annual cost of living adjustment, which is based on food price inflation and kicks in every October. The average monthly benefit will jump to $169 per person. That's quite a quite a significant increase. So good job. I have more good news to end the segment with. I want to introduce you to Tori Cooper. So Tori Cooper said the first time she used her voice as an advocate was about 20 years ago when she worked on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention program called Sister to Sister. Now, she and another transgender advocate adapted the HIV risk reduction program to meet the unique needs of trans women. Quote, that was the beginning of it, and it's just been going ever since full speed ahead, she said. So Cooper is now the director of the Community Engagement for the Human Rights Campaign's Transgender Justice Initiative was recently appointed to the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV and AIDS, which was created back in 1995 to provide the federal government with advice and policy recommendations regarding the prevention, treatment, and cure of HIV and AIDS. I don't know if you remember this, but former guy was like, we're going to eradicate AIDS, which is funny because they fired everyone that was on the task force (laughs) right when they got into office. Mm -hmm. So we saw what happened there. So she brings her 30 years of experience in the field to this position. But she also brings her voice as a Black transgender woman. She is the first out Black trans woman to be appointed to PACHA. Is that PACHA or PACA? What do you think? I think they say PACA, but it's, yeah, the advisory council. Yeah. Yeah. So she said she's absolutely elated and humbled by the appointment and noted that one of her key priorities is to represent her community, as she should. This is a quote. One of my many priorities I have is certainly to be a voice for trans people, gender non-binary people, and gender expansive people, making sure that our voices are heard, she said, and simply making sure that all policies that we're looking at are inclusive of folks that the HIV movement takes much more inclusive and diverse trajectory moving forward. Now, in the U.S. specifically, the CDC found that there are racial disparities among trans women who live with HIV. One CDC study Uh, AG of HIV prevalence among trans women in seven U.S. cities from 2019 to 2020 found that 62% of Black trans women were living with HIV, while 25% of the Hispanic Latina trans women and only 17% of white transgender women had HIV. Cooper said that there are too many, too many policy gaps that contribute to those disparities to name in just one conversation. But some of the most significant are a stigma healthcare access, and a lack of trans-competent healthcare providers. Ah, yes. And like you said, a bias that's just in the healthcare system. I think that is built in and that they're trying to unravel. 
She said that there are a number of federal policy changes that PACA should prioritize that would help address these issues. But there are policies, quote, people wouldn't necessarily think of as part of health care. Of course they wouldn't, unless you are a Black trans woman at the table. And that is where she is. A number of federal policy proposals, which is what PACA focuses on, would help decrease HIV disparities among Black trans women. That's what Cooper said. Now, Newell's Newton suggested Medicaid expansion in some states that haven't expanded or universal, no-cost health care, so folks can get the care they need. Cooper said low barrier access to gender marker changes in IDs. That's also very important. And another quote to end this, as a Black trans woman who has an F on her ID, what it does is it makes it easier for my provider to write prescriptions for gender-affirming health care, she said. She added that she's 51. So she also needs mammograms and having an accurate gender marker leads to less pushback from insurance companies who often won't cover mammograms for trans people whose ID still lists their birth gender. There's so many things that need to be changed to make just getting healthcare to our trans community easier. So I'm glad that she's at the forefront of this right now. I think she's going to do an incredible job in the position. God, I'm so glad she's there. Just just bringing these issues to the forefront that, that most people just wouldn't think of because, you know, we're not them. Absolutely. Wonderful. I love it. Good job, President Biden. We'll be right back with Rachel Vindman. We're going to discuss the coverage of Afghanistan on the media. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison. And today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide licensed professional therapy done online. The counselors at BetterHelp are there to help you live your best, happiest life. They can assess your needs and assign you to an experienced licensed therapist within 24 hours. So you can begin communicating right away. You know, my own challenges with PTS and anxiety have taught me the importance of getting support instead of trying to do it by myself. And I know it's hard to ask for help, but BetterHelp makes it so convenient. Therapy is always available anytime from anywhere in the world. You can log into your account and message your counselor. You receive timely and thoughtful responses. And you can also schedule weekly meetings via phone or video. It's more affordable than offline counseling and financial aid is available. And they make it easy and free to change your counselor, which is pretty much unheard of in the private sector, but really important to develop that really important, you know, that that therapeutic relationship. So you can visit BetterHelp's website and read some testimonials like this one by user SE, who says, Dr. Price has been great to work with. I feel like I've been able to make a lot of progress with him. He listens well, asks good questions and pushes me to go in depth. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today to discuss some of the things that the mainstream media is reporting versus what I think they should be reporting. You know her as at NetSecHobbyist on Twitter. Please welcome Rachel Vindeman. Rachel, hello. Thanks for having me on again, AG. just always such a pleasure to talk to you. And your interview with my husband last week was, made me cry. It was really great. Thank you for that. Oh, what a what a gem of a man, such a hero. And <laughs> what a cool family. And I, you know, I absolutely treasure following you all and listening to your opinions and, and what you think because of, you know, I mean, the stature and nature of of the experience that you both hold is I think it's invaluable. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today. I've been quite upset and I've tweeted about it with the mainstream media, particularly CNN, little bit MSNBC, but their coverage Mm -hmm. of what's happening on the the ground in Afghanistan right now, it's very sensationalized. I think the the videos that are going around are the the 
by the way, they're all Afghan men rushing the airport. What did they just leave their women and children behind? I guess they're sort of leaving I that. that as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we give lip service to the women. Mm-hmm. I've noticed everyone. Oh, I feel bad for the women and children. Mm-hmm. But there's more to the, I mean, the pictures show a different category of people in Afghanistan. Yeah. And, and it really it really does. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on why. There's this sensationalist sort of a clickbait thing going on with with news sources mm-hmm. we normally look to and trust. You know, first of all, let me say there's a lot of emotions surrounding this withdrawal from Afghanistan. There, for any of us as I, as a former military spouse, and for a lot of people, I think for journalists who have covered it for a long time, um, they get invested too, and than the American people as a whole, who may be, um, you know, the American people who who have not been really plugged in. And, and then they see this and they think, oh my gosh, what is happening? How are we letting this? But they don't have the background. You know, they don't have a real intense understanding of it or personal experience. You know, so those are two key things. So, you know, a lot of people coming from different places to weigh in on, on this topic. And it, it makes it very complicated. I am disappointed with some of the coverage. And I think it's really hard for journalists these days to remain above the story, if you will, or just remain unobjective. And, you know, a few weeks ago, a month ago, sorry, I've missed concept of time. Julia Ayafe wrote a piece about journalists and she interviewed some White House reporters who literally said the Trump presidency made my career, Hmm. which would be a lot like generals saying the invasion of Afghanistan made my career. And they would absolutely think it, but they wouldn't say it. Mm -hmm. The journalists could think it and it could be true, but it's probably not something they should have said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think there's kind of a, there's a little bit of a maybe missing missing some of the attention that the media had during uh, Trump's presidency. And now this is a huge story and they want, they want to be at the center of the story because we had four or five years of that, of constant um, looking towards the media to see what sensational thing is happening. And now we have a sensational thing happening, but it's also a human tragedy. And I feel like that story is just not being told as much right now. Yeah. There, there's a lot of stories that I feel like aren't being told that are giving way to just headlines yeah and just pink finger pointing mm-hmm. yeah a lot of blame to go around and there's a lot of blame i mean there's no <laughs> one who's innocent in this there is no one who is innocent in this and i think we really need to start at that place but right now we got to figure out how to fix it and there'll be a lot of time to go back and do the after action report on this and figure out where everything went wrong but i think you're going to see it went wrong a long, long time ago. Yeah, it, it really did. And, and you know, even just in recent history, I mean, first of all, we can go back to Bush and then we can go to Iraq and splitting our resources there. And then after we got bin Laden, why didn't we get out of Afghanistan? Obama left us there. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot happening. But, you know, re- in the last administration, you know, we had and, and here's the thing, you know, my whole goal as 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 a, a reporter, I guess, a reader of the news, is that I want to curate it. Mm-hmm. And I talked uh, with a few people about this at the onset of what, I, you know, when I started doing what I was doing. And the idea was to provide context 
and, you know, an, a deeper understanding that like, the whole picture of, of what's going on. And when things like the, you know, that Trump worked with the Taliban to free 5000 Taliban fighters, including <laughs> the, the now new president of the Taliban in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. pr- president of Afghanistan freed that guy that he that that Trump cut a deal with the yeah. Taliban after after the election and then refused to give Biden briefings and then of course we had Mitch McConnell with the power sharing agreement delaying appointment of, of top officials in our intelligence community I'm thinking mostly of DNI and mm-hmm. CIA etc so we didn't have those people in place and now we know that the Taliban is guarding the Russian embassy and Russia's not leaving and we're we're you know we're supposed to believe they're enemies right and and it's just leaving all of that out and just saying Biden's had 7 months to fix this mm-hmm. and didn't mm-hmm. is i think disingenuous and does a disservice and i wish there were classes that journalists like had to keep taking like when i was in the government and i'm sure you're familiar with this every year i had to take like ongoing education classes. And I just, yeah, was, everyone does. I think most professions do <laughs> so have some sort of critical reflection. Look at what you're saying and look how it might be construed. Yeah. And look at how it can impact democracy here. Yes. In our country, because if you tear Biden apart and, and we lose 2022 or 2024, you want democracy really so badly in Afghanistan, you're not going to have it here. And and I just I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, you know, follow the money. Right. <laughs> but like, I just wish that there was some sort of uh, like, you know, think of think third level, second level, third level thinking about what about what comes next and, and report everything in context. Because, you know, mm-hmm. we uh, we've also learned uh, recently, Rachel, that this had been going on. Taliban fighters have been paying Afghan soldiers to lay down arms. Mm-hmm starting in rural areas and then getting up to the cities and that this was this was always the plan. And and I do want to know how we didn't know that it it was going to take 24 hours for for the Taliban to because I think it was inevitable for the Taliban to take over. But sure. it, it really seemed like it, it took us by surprise. So I'm, I'm interested to do a review after we fix what's going on. Right. I'm interested to do a review of, of where that intelligence. Did we have it? Did it not get to the president? Did it get to the president? And what was the decision making process and how can we prevent it from happening in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely be very interested in knowing that as well. As I said, I think we, you know, we have a, a huge problem right now, which is a bit of an understatement. And we need to figure out the right now, you know, very quickly. The problem that we know about these news cycles, though, is lots of opinions are being formed right now. And people won't go back and find out all that other information and plug in and get the backstory. And, you know, and and find that out. So right now, just all this criticism being hurled is what people are going to digest and get immediately. And maybe they're not going to follow up. And that is, those stories need to continue to be told. I mean, your listeners, and they're seeking you out and listening because they want to understand this. Unfortunately, not everyone is like that. And it's it's a real problem, not just with this story, but with many stories is we have to plug in. I, I have a lot of friends that they're sort of disinterested by choice. And I cannot relate to that because I've never been like that in my life. But, <laughs> you know, so then you have to look at it from the journalistic standpoint of like, 
from time to time and covering the story, even now in the tragedy that's unfolding and the, you know, the just constant updates, you know, we, we also need to give a little of the context like that you just provided, which is amazing. And I would say 99% of Americans don't know those things. Yeah. That's just, that's just the reality. They're unaware of even the backstory that you just shared in two minutes. And it's not that the sources and the information isn't there. It's just that they don't consume it and they remain unaware of it by choice. Yeah, that's why I'm here. I, I, I want to talk a little bit more just briefly about Biden's upcoming remarks. I want to make sure everybody knows what we're, you know, we're talking right now before right. the president makes his remarks today. A little bit more about first impressions and stuff, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, Beans listeners, it's AG. This year, I've been focusing on my nutrition and overall health, as you've heard me say over and over again. And I've researched and tried a number, pretty much all of the different omega-3 supplements on the market. And by far, my favorite is Iwi. Iwi's secret is algae. It's a whole nother level than plain fish oil. Iwi knows that fish get their omega-3s from algae, so they go straight to the source. They skip the middle fish. And you skip the nasty fish taste. Uh, Iwi's proprietary form of algae leads to 50% more absorption, which is the world's highest absorption rate of any source of omega-3. In a clinical study, Iwi cholesterol helped reduce bad VLDL cholesterol by 25% on average in just three months. So if you want to give a boost to your health, adding Iwi to your self-care supplements is a must. Support your heart, brain, vision, and overall wellness with Iwi. All of Iwi's products are plant-based, and their algae is sustainably farmed in the United States. Go to iwilife.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans, all one word, to save 30%. That's huge on your first purchase. Take advantage of this limited time offer today. iwilife, I-W-I-L-I-F-E dot com slash dailybeans and code dailybeans for 30% off your first purchase. Again, iwilife.com slash dailybeans and use coupon code dailybeans, all one word, for 30% off. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And today's show is also brought to you by Scribd. I am so in love with this. These days, you could spend as much time searching for your next book as you would reading it. It's like scrolling through Netflix forever. <laughs> but with Scribd, you get instant access to millions of ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, along with thoughtfully curated editor's picks and smart recommendations based on what you've read. Scribd makes choosing my next book so much easier. Scribd is the ultimate reading subscription service, letting you explore all your interests in any format you choose, ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, and more, for only $9.99 a month. You get the entire library for less than the cost of a single book. No complicated credits or additional purchases are required. If you're not sure what to read, Scribd combines the latest technology with the best human minds to recommend content you will love. Want to change things up? You're free to switch between titles, genres, formats. You can do that at any time on your phone, tablet, or computer. Right now, we're offering listeners of this program a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash dailybeans for your free trial. That's try.scribd.com slash dailybeans to get 60 days of Scribd for free. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to uh, Rachel Vindman. And uh, before the break, you had mentioned uh, first impressions, right? The, everyone's first thoughts on what's going on on in the ground, on the ground in Afghanistan, or what's going to stick, and it's going to be hard to move them away from that, even if we start to tell the whole story. Very powerful imagery is out there, and it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. It's it's those it's out there. It's going to yeah. be there. It's going to be difficult to overcome. Yeah, well, it reminded me of of, of people's view of and continuing view of Merrick Garland, mm -hmm. who was just got there in March and is working on the insurrection. And now we know the inspector general is looking at the Trump Clark stuff and everybody was like, 
Merrick Garland must resign, not the man for the moment, because he just didn't show up and immediately issue a bunch of uh, subpoenas and and indictments and arrest warrants. And so that, you know, then immediately, uh, histrionically, seemingly, they went to, well, he's he sucks. So get him out of there. And I feel like I feel like, you know, the first time Primus opened up for Metallica, they thought they sucked. But then they turned out to be a much better band. (laughs) We need to. We need to give it time. Right. You know, until they you know, until they announce that they're doing something that we that we disagree with, we should wait because I you know, I don't understand and most of us don't understand what goes on behind the scenes. But uh, I wanted to ask you about some of the another thing that I've seen on 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 uh, the mainstream media is is former like military officials and high level intel officials coming out and, and, and disparaging this decision when they had a lot to do with it. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is kind of my wheelhouse. I have a lot of thoughts about this and we have 20 years of, I'm not going to say all failures in Iraq and Afghanistan, but we had a lot of failures and some of it was just a lack of will from the, you know, from politicians and the American people to some extent. And, you know, not, we weren't always on the same page about everything that, you know, people wanted to do. So there's, there's a lot of reasons for this, but what really bothers me is retired senior military officials going on news, uh, you know, news stations and criticizing what's happening now, knowing full well that they're part of the problem. They were part of the problem. And okay, I mean, they're free to say whatever they want, but here's what gets me. Where were they when they might've had, particularly the ones that did have personal experience with Donald Trump? Did they speak out when it meant, when when they could have? Mm -hmm. Did they, other senior officials who knew what a breach it was for the way that Trump politicize the military? Do they speak out against that? Because maybe they didn't have personal experience with him, but they didn't speak out at those times. But they're perfectly happy and willing to criticize the military. And I just think it's so disingenuous. And, you know, furthermore, this is a machine. They get out, they get out of the military, they make more money out of the military and the retirement they did when they were in active duty which is true for two stars and above. And they become consultants for companies on leadership, on ethics. And yet some people could judge them to not have been very successful in their final and biggest assignments. (laughs) So they don't speak out because they know that speaking out would hurt their brand and they would lose these very lucrative contracts and opportunities that they have and it's essentially a machine now and that's what most people do so i find it disingenuous and um and very you know so i i go after current and former senior military officials a lot on twitter it's kind of my brand but i think when they had a chance to speak up and speak out they didn't do it and it really bothers me they're speaking up and speaking out the ones who are now and saying what they're saying about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, because, I mean, they didn't do so well then either. Yeah. And it's everywhere. Right. I call it I'm going to call it pulling a Bolton. Yeah. Or a Rosen. 
you know, where where were you during, yes. you know, Rosen, where were you during the impeachment 2.0? Uh, Bolton, really? You just held on to all of that? Or, uh, you know, we, we found out about the the, the downplaying of covid yep. eight months mm-hmm. after and 100,000 people dead. Like it is a machine. It's a money making machine and it sucks and it needs to stop. I don't know how to stop. But, you it. know, whatever we require things like we were talking about Merrick Garland. Yeah, I know I can order food and it will be delivered in 30 minutes. I can order something from Amazon and it might be delivered later that day. You know, unfortunately, investigations with the Justice Department don't work so quickly. Not everything is wrapped up at the end of an hour-long drama. And it's we, we expect this. We expect things immediately. And we know that there were tremendous miscarriages of justice. But if we want it taken care of and tried in the right way, we do have to allow time. You know, perhaps... I don't, you know, I don't know, maybe an update. I I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I do understand the frustration of people. I don't want to discount that. I'm frustrated also, but we do need to allow time to, for these processes to happen and carry out and, you know, let them do their job. But I, I, I think it's true when people make comments and say, you know, our, Part of the our systems were never meant to take this kind of strain of so many dishonest actors yeah. and just a dismantling of them. So it's a little hard to go back from that to go back to quote unquote normal, whatever normal is. And um, you know we are going to have to make the modifications and changes. And they're just trying to do all these things. Meanwhile, continue to govern and face the new threats and the new challenges that happen every day for a country the size and importance of the United States of America. Yeah. It's well, not dealing with the former administration is not all they have to do. They have other things to do and we want them to do those things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if we think back, we've been taught over the last four years that it's totally fine to announce and talk about yes. an open and ongoing investigation right. of the department of justice. It is not, it is not totally fine to do <laughs> no, that. It is not. Started with Comey, right? Like, bro, what are you doing? And then, you know, we get Barr and then, you know, talking about Durham and that ongoing investigation. We've got Sherwin talking about the January 6th insurrection from you know, being D.C. U.S. attorney. It's like, shut up. You can't do that. But now we've all learned, hey, we're supposed to get right. these updates mm-hmm. on what's going on mm-hmm. in an investigation. And we're not. Before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit. Biden's going to speak here mm-hmm. in about an hour. And uh, I'm assuming what he's going to do, if if I if I have any kind of inkling about what kind of man Biden is, is he's going to accept responsibility for this. Mm-hmm. He might give us a little bit of background. And if he does, he'll say that's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. And then I think he'll say what's important is what we're doing now to deal with it. And he'll outline what we're doing now. A thousand paratroopers from 82nd Airborne, an additional 6000 on the ground, helping evacuate all of our allies and interpreters and etc. And, you know, all of our people and Americans. And then he'll say, and after that's all done, we need to sit down and have a good hard look at what went wrong here and do a comprehensive review. And he'll, maybe he'll put a commission together and, and figure out how to, to prevent this, you know, or to at least understand what went wrong. I think that's probably sort of what we'll get from him, but I don't, you know, who knows, but what, I mean, what do you... That's what I hope. I I think, I think that's a reasonable assessment and prediction, and I I hope that's what we get as well. And to the people who are criticizing him for not speaking yesterday, I sit down for a minute and stop. Again, this goes back to the very high emotions. There 
are lots of lots of emotions surrounding this. But in order to address the nation, I think it's good to have a lot more information. More information is better than less information. Doing it today, as opposed to yesterday, gives him just more time to be able to speak a little more clearly um, to the events on the ground and how that is, how those are happening and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So yesterday seemed probably quite reactive. And today, you know, we've, we've solidified some of those plans and know what's going to work. And he will have a chance to talk about that. I also, like you, I predict that he will take responsibility because that's what leaders do. And I do think he is a leader that cares about people and takes responsibility. There are things I, I wish everyone would do different. I mean, just this morning, there are things I wish my husband would have done differently. Um, and that I think I wish I would have done differently, but that's life. That's every day. But I think that we are going to see a real leader speak soon. And I, I, I know he knows this is not what he wanted, but then we have to get down to it. As you were saying, like, where was the failure? Because at some point there was a pretty big failure to not know this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there'll be time for that. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to address that. I think he might say, you know, look, we're, we have to look into what went wrong here, yeah. because, you know, and, and, and maybe he, you know, I don't know that he'll admit that we were taken uh, you know, by surprise, by the fact that yeah, this yeah. went so quickly, you know, it, it, that's not something that you want to, to say. But I think he'll address it in that, you know, by saying it is something that I, I definitely want to look into and, mm-hmm. and why this happened. And we should. Because, right. Yeah. But not yeah. right now. Not right now. It's not the time to do it um, now. But I you know, you know, I follow Tom Nichols on Twitter. I like Tom's voice. One thing he mm-hmm. said recently was he, he said, you know, this will be a case study in war colleges for years to come. Mm. But what if no one made plans because they hoped it wasn't going to happen? And if you started making plans, it just would have created like a mass panic. So there was mm. kind of this like, put the brakes on and don't, don't do it. I mean, you know, I don't know, but it's certainly a possibility. And again, it'll be, it'll all be, um, you know, figured out, but uh, I, I'm happy that he's going to address the nation and I don't fault him for not addressing the nation yesterday. Yeah. No, me neither. There was like 800 people he needed to talk yeah, to. And get absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and, and again, I think that that goes to just this constant flow of information. I mean, if this was happening with Trump, he would have been tweeting the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people would have taken that as speaking to the people. They would have taken that as, you know, disseminating information to the people. But that wasn't what he did. No. He was just trying to protect himself anytime something went wrong and, you know, shift the blame to someone else. But that's not what I'm Yeah. And he never does. said anything. He never said anything of substance. No, he no. would talk quickly, but right. it would be empty. If there's one thing we've learned about Twitter through all this, really, I don't think you can explain <laughs> Afghanistan and what's going on in Afghanistan in 240 characters. No. So I don't think Twitter is the place to discuss what's happening right now. No. No, I'm, you know, I'm out there, you know, defending some stuff, trying to provide context. But like, uh, you know, I can't say what I would have done differently. And, and I don't know what happened. And none of us do. And we have to we have to figure that out. Although, I mean, I, you know, Senator Murphy was on a call with the Secretary of Defense, some senators on the Intel Committee, I think, and and and, and Secretary Blinken. And they said, yeah, yeah, well, you know, 
Trump left 2,500 troops there. Had we started evacuating people, the Taliban would have fired on us. Mm-hmm. The Afghans wouldn't have were fought with us because they had already made their deal not right. to. And we could we could have lost U.S. troops and we could, would have endangered uh, a lot of uh, civilians in in the process. So trying to figure out how to navigate that has to be, uh, you know, it's it, like like Biden says, it's the you know, it's the the best of a bunch of really bad scenarios. So we'll see what happens. Well, I, that's exactly it. So I think it is. It's, there are no there are no choice. There are no good choices. They're just choices. Yep. I think that's another thing that's very difficult for people to understand it's hard for all of us to understand although after living through 2020 and 2021 and COVID I think maybe people have a little bit more uh understanding of that because we've had it in our own lives but sometimes as a leader I just don't think you have that option you don't have a good choice an obvious choice but nevertheless decisions have to be made and that's what leaders do and I would just like to ask Republicans to not, uh, please not talk about how the, the treatment of women and children in Afghanistan until they address the treatment of women and children in the United States. Yeah. But that's, that's just, that's just me. Because if you look at what the Taliban has in store, it's not much different from the Republican plan. Uh, you know, I, I probably go to jail for saying that. But anyway, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. And everybody follow Rachel on Twitter at Natsec Hobbyist. And of course, also follow Alexander Vinman. Get his book. It's absolutely incredible. I'm working, I think, on doing a book club, a couple book club episodes on it. We'll see. And I just wanted to thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. You too. Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. All you need is two minutes and you will get the best sleep of your life. That's it. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. You take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match your body type and individual sleep preferences to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep ever. I used to toss and turn all night, wake up exhausted. I thought it was because of the news, but as it turns out, I had a mattress made for someone else. But I've had my Helix mattress for almost two years now, and I absolutely love it. I wake up feeling rested and refreshed. I'm not sore. With Helix, you get a mattress that's customized to the perfect way you sleep. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have mattresses that cool you down if you sleep hot. They have great mattresses for spinal alignment to prevent the morning aches and pains. And they even have a Helix Plus mattress for beautiful plus size sleepers. I took the quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, as you all know. So that's perfect for me and I love it. I've had all the premium brands. This is by far the best. And the delivery and setup was fast and easy. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and sleep medicine doctors as a solution for improving sleep. They have a 10-year warranty, and you try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They have financing options and flexible payments, as you know, so great night's sleep is never far away. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by my favorite puzzle game, Best Fiends. I finally went on a trip this summer. It was amazing. As you know, I was in New York and I was on the subway a lot. And I still got to play Best Fiends because you don't need the internet to play it. I choose Best Fiends every time I go on the road. It is my favorite mobile app. A super fun puzzle game with thousands of fun levels, tons of cute collectible characters, a lot of strategy, so many fiends to keep you company on the road. I've played it at the beach, by the pool, waiting in line for coffee, on the metro, on the subway. I love it. Every Uber, it's perfect when you're traveling because, like I said, you don't need to be online to play. Best Fiends is hard to put down. They're always adding new puzzles and content, so I keep going back. I'm on level 2300 almost, I think. I've been making steady progress with my collection of characters. 
I love how you can strategically team up with each character based on their special abilities to gain extra points, like just like in real life. And um, it's, that's that's the strategy part of it. It's challenging but relaxing. It's got great visuals, great sound, great fun, and it's a distraction. And it's become part of my self-care routine. You know, best of all, it's totally free to download. Best Fiends is so much fun. Bring it with you wherever your travels take you. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends for free today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news is on the way. And please continue to send in your good news stories, your pictures of your pod pets or your, your kids, idioms of the world, idiots of the Senate. Misheard song lyrics, shit swears, <laughs> find the cat, <laughs> happy places, what the mutt, town twisters, limericks, haiku, whatever you want to send in to us, just no nakies. And you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. I'm going to kick us off, Dana, with a, a submission here from Liv, pronouns she, her. Hi, all. Thanks for the great podcast. You've been extremely helpful getting me through the long and lonely hours in the lab. Ooh, science. I just handed in my PhD thesis. Accidental good news. And now I'm ready for my first Beans submission. Okay, we're here to grade you on your first Beans submission. This is your oral examination. Well, I, I don't want to give anything away, but I read it ahead of time and I think she's getting a good grade. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> she says, I'm so excited. I have a shit kids say. This is something I once said as a child, but my mother's favorite story. So it's retold often. For this to make sense, you need to know that my mother is an infamous swearer. So I was maybe three at the time. My mother visiting a neighbor that had a cat. I went to pick it up and she scratched me because cat. <laughs> little little me shouted, fucking kitty. <laughs> the neighbor stared at my mom in a, do you let her speak like that kind of way? My mother, uh, my mother told me, <laughs> you have to speak proper. So I pouted and said, fucking cat. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I had been told often uh, to not speak baby talk, but swearing, that's part of my DNA. For my pet tax, here's a good cat that I sat for a friend while finishing up the thesis. Unfortunately, little Lucifer really wanted to lay on the keyboard. And who was I to tell him no? Yeah, Liv, cat, cats make it hard. I mean, can you imagine just a, th just a three-year-old fucking kitty? Hey, I told you to speak proper. Fucking cat. That's amazing. That's so fucking fantastic. Oh, great first submission, my dear, and congratulations on PhD. All right, this is from Len, pronouns he, him. Oh, what a beautiful morning, and oh, what a beautiful day. Even dark news is better your way. Thank you, thank you. I'm on the last full week of a week in glorious Aspen. The news from Afghanistan has been so heartrending, and there has been so much bloviating from the usual sources. Distressing as it was, David Rothkopf's clear-eyed commentary was the first sensible thing I have heard. So once again, thank you, thank you, thank you. As pet tax, I'm going to try to attach a very short clip of Cooper, my grandkids' one-year-old English lab. They're on vacation in UP. You may remember seeing him when they brought him home last year. Again, thank you. Queens of the news, thank you. Now, AG, I saw this video. Cooper is losing <laughs> his shit in this river. <laughs> and then speeds around, goes I think around a car comes back and is like, you going in again? And Cooper goes all the way through the river again. And it's just blissful, just blissful. Uh, yeah. We'll include a clip to the, we'll include a link to this video in the, in the show notes and comments. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, yeah. One-year-old labs, 
pretty it's, it, that's pretty par for the course, I think. But um, you're welcome, Len. And uh, thanks to David Rothkopf for coming on. He was a great guest and I appreciated his his candor. Next up from AR, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. You helped this Texan keep her sanity during the former guy's tenure, and I can't thank you enough. Dana's pronunciation of Bayer County, pronounced Bayer, inspired me to finally write in with some Central Texas town twisters. Okay. Here's the towns. We've got Manor, which can't be, it can't just be M-A-N-O-R. Just, it's too it can't easy. Just be it's manor. too easy. So it's got to be like Manor. Uh, B-U-D-A, uh, which I would say is Buddha, is probably like Buddha. <laughs> it's, it's like Buddha. <laughs> oh, then we have you crack yourself up. It makes me laugh. <laughs> then we have G R U E N E Groon. Sure, it's probably groin. It's probably groin. And then B O E R N E, which I would say is born. I would uh, I would say too, but it's probably Bernie. Okay. Well, as I looked down, you were not close on some of these, but neither was I. <laughs> All right, so Manor is Mainer, which I think it, I think that's what I said. I can't remember. Buddha is Buda. Uh, Groon is Green, and it is Bernie. Woohoo! I got it right. Woohoo! Uh, and if you're an Austinite like I am, you'll need to know how to properly say Menchaca Road. It's pronounced Manchac. Okay. Of course it is. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. M-E-N-C-H-A-C-A is Manchac. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Sure it is. I enjoy a good Manchac, Dana, but that is not that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, thank you for all you do. Pod Pet Tax. I've attached photos of my sweet kitties, Phoebe and Penelope. Oh, uh, and you can get them at Phoebe Feb underscore and underscore Penelope on Instagram. Super cute. Oh, I, I love the tiny tent. Oh, my goodness. Look at the last picture in the big yawn. <laughs> Why he scram? Why he scram? Oh, he's so adorable. Oh, so sweet. All right. Thank you so much. I love when you get those twisters and I don't have to, you know, try. All right. This next one's from Maria, pronouns she and her. Thanks so much for all the info and laughs. Your strength has been so inspiring to me. Hoping to get a better job ASAP for my husband and myself soon. Putting the hope out into the universe. Mr. Lyrics, number one, 38 special. Hold on loosely. I used to think that he was saying, Aunt Phoebe, it's true. Instead of, and baby, it's true. There you go. Aunt Phoebe, always true. <laughs> number two, Bad Moon Rise. Bad Moon on the Rise by Creedence Clearwater. Holy here. Uh, as a kid, I pictured a very polite rocker dude going to a party and telling people through his song, there's a bathroom on the right. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bathroom on the right. Yeah, yeah. Go. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Pet tax, our sweet golden doodle. Oh, I love golden doodles. Farley has gained such a goofy personality and appetite like Chris Farley. We were on a year-long waiting list because we had to get a cat-friendly older doggo, but he has been worth the wait. Also, our cat Maine Coon, her bucket, black kitty, Maven, is nicknamed Navy Beans. He and his 21-year-old buddy, buddy cat Boots, they like to listen to the pet tax stories. Oh, my goodness. Boots is 21. Wow. And the main coot is Naven, like Naven Johnson from The Jerk. Okay, first of all, the, the dog with the tie is amazing. I know. <gasps> Dogs and ties. And look. Look at these pretty babies. So, so, so sweet. 
big fluffy tail. Cute. Oh, thank you for sending those in. And yeah, uh, there's a bathroom on the right. That probably, you know, I know a lot of strippers dance to Credence, and that would have been a funny. That's a really funny thing funny. to say while you were on stage. There's a bathroom on the right. Yep. All right. Next up from Jack, pronouns he and him. Hello. Thank you so much for the great show. I've been working on my health and have lost over a hundred pounds. Nice job, Jack. I listen to Daily Beans on my run three times a week. I'm just now getting to the point where the podcast isn't quite long enough for the entire run. Okay, nice. we should do the rest of this really slowly and just drag it out, Dana. I think so. Maybe Jack will be on a hill and he'll be like, come on, say the thing at the end. <laughs> Luckily, MSW Media has plenty of other podcasts to roll over to. Yes, yes, we do. For shit my kids say, we had a schnauzer at the time. He would sit in your lap and if you blew in his face, he would flip out and lick your lips like crazy. One day we were in Target and she loudly states, if you blow him, he'll lick you. There you go. <laughs> Wife and I started laughing, uh, but it was short lived when we heard our 12 year old daughters get it and laugh too. Oh dear. <laughs> Proposal, for <laughs> Proposal for a new game and shared with permission from my youngest daughter. It's called You Don't Say. My youngest daughter came out to me when she was in middle school. Josie, she, they, him, was less of a girly girl and more of a tomboy. Dana, I, I, call that, I call that fella girly, which I absolutely love. Nice. Uh, there was a time she wanted to be Spider-Man for Halloween, not Spider-Girl. She would rather play Nerf guns with Nerf guns uh, with the male cousins over playing makeup and dress up with the girl cousins. So when she nervously came out in middle school, I wasn't surprised. Since then, when old photos come up in my memories, I'll send some to Josie with the caption, you don't say, see attached photo. One day, Josie gets home from ballet and I'm working out in the yard. Josie jumps out of the car grabs a leaf blower and gets to work. For those listening on the podcast, there's a six-year-old Josie in a bun, tights and leotard, wearing pink camo Crocs, using a leaf blower on the sidewalk. <laughs> Finally, my good news. As mentioned above, Josie came out to her immediate family in middle school. Well, she's a senior now. We recently had her senior photo shoot and she decided to come out to the world with her photos. She has a great group of friends and is part of a thriving LGBTQIA plus community in a very red part of the country. Wonderful. She's such a smart, talented, big hearted and beautiful person. I'm lucky to be her dad. Ugh. Hod pet tax. After losing the schnauzer and our other senior dog at the beginning of lockdown, we got Diesel. He's been such an amazing Aussie that we decided to get him a little sister. Josie included both of them in her photo shoot. Thank you for the hours of entertainment, news, and swearing. Oh my God, <laughs> look at her. That picture's fantastic. What a beautiful child. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, all grown up now. Little drummer too. Nice. Oh, that's so great. What a wonderful family. You're so blessed, seriously. Indeed. And thanks for being a good papa. My goodness, I'm sure her mother's also wonderful, Jack. Just thanks for being a good human. Mm, so awesome. And uh, thanks to everybody for submitting today. We always need the good news. So if you have any to send us, please send it over at dailymeanspod.com and click on contact. Let's see. I'll be going to D.C. here in a couple weeks. We're going to have a meet and greet. We might even record a live show for patrons. So if you want to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote. And you get all of the, you know, MullerSheWrote and the book club and the Daily Beans. You get them all ad-free and you get them early uh, and you get access to the, the meet and greet stuff and bonus content and the week, weekly Zoom happy hours, which are so much fun. And of course, you know, access to our private closed 
social media groups and discord groups. And we have all sorts of stuff going on. It's really fun. Incredible community. Absolutely amazing community. I can't thank you all enough for being a part of it and listening to the show. I really appreciate it, especially during uh, days and times like these. Absolutely. All right. Any final thoughts, Dana, before we head out? No, just wishing everyone a great evening. I hope whatever you're doing right now, you go do something lovely tonight. Yes, you as well. And same to everyone. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.